welcome to Cancria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I persist as Sebastian. You persist. Yes. Despite my efforts to refer to you as Sebastian, <laughs> uh, you are persistent in your Sebastian. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go. The more you know, eh? Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, oh, yes. recently announced their various plans to uh, sort of open back up again. Now, as far as I can recall, Canada is on track to be vaccinated by, I want to say, September is. Yeah, September, yeah. And uh, sorry, Boris Johnson is saying that UK nightclubs might be reopened in time for the summer. Uh, as long as you ensure social distancing and you're wearing a mask. Now, setting aside the believability of uh, people social distancing in a nightclub, my question for you, Sebastian, would you go to a nightclub with uh, social distance and masks? Well, it depends on which club, because I really like to go dancing. If you got nice and gin drunk, they were having an 80s, 90s night, at like Barrymore's or something, which is a very big club, very huge square footage. Would you go knowing that uh, some folks may, may be breathing in your direction? <laughs> well, Barrymore's is a bad example because, as you know, the last time you and I went there on our way out, we heard 20-year-olds complaining that it was too loud. Uh, but the, the general spirit of the question, uh, in current year, probably not. No. If there was like an outdoor music festival... We don't really do those in Canada. They they pop up now and then. It's not like Europe where outdoor music festivals are just a weekly event. Uh, then I would feel a lot more comfortable doing it as opposed to an enclosed space. So I, I think, or if it were somewhere with like a patio, hmm. then yeah, I would I would consider going, but not if it's an enclosed space, not in current year. Yeah, my belief is that there are some places with patios starting to open up again. But, you know, we've had what I think there's about 2.4 million doses have already been administrated across Canada. So about 3.4 percent. Uh, I mean, that doesn't sound like a huge percent, but I mean, you know, they started what, like two weeks ago or something, you know, about a month ago. So, yeah, I'm I'm encouraged. It's the social dis. Maybe if, if you like huddled as a as like a bubbled group. Um, but honestly, I think that well, businesses are going to struggle. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's so true. But I think businesses are going to struggle to pull people away from what has become just much more convenient. You know, organizations, gay nightclubs and things like that. I think they're going to struggle to pull people back out. Yeah. um, Just because it's it's expensive. I mean, if anything, and this is in my experience, I would say that uh, smartphones killed the club scene not millennials that it was the Mm. tech field because the i i spent a lot of time in dance clubs over the years and i can tell you that when phones like when your average phone had a camera in it around the time when every phone started having a camera in it that is around the time when all of a sudden everybody was looking over their shoulder because before then nobody had a camera in a club people dance like nobody was watching now everyone dances like they might end up on TikTok, which mm. is to say they just don't dance unless they're really good at it. So everyone's got like social media anxiety now. So, I mean, if anything, I would say that's what killed the dancing scene. 
So if you want a, a dance club where people go and genuinely have a good time, you got to have a hand your phone in at the door policy. Because oh, that would go so badly. I would never hand my phone in. That's just exactly. not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Well, who knows? I think if the gay clubs open up, I think I would definitely go at least once or twice to, you know, symbolically support the gay clubs. Um, but I don't think they'll be able to pull me out as much as, you know, pre-pandemic. I think uh, I think those heady days might be might be over. I might go to the pub type places. So like the Center Town pub, if it's still open. I don't know. It, it's really peculiar. The, for me, the biggest thing is that club music used to be in the club. And now you watch a car commercial and you hear the kind of music that people used to take ecstasy and go dancing to for 12 hours. Like, it's sort of like, uh, like I've, I've heard musicologists say that rock and roll is dead and that we're just now in an era of dance music. And that's how it is. Air, dance music isn't special anymore. Dance music isn't for dancing to anymore. Dance music is just music now. Like we're, we're in a sort of new era of musical history. And I think that's kind of reflected that... Um, you don't see a lot of people who go out dancing. You don't see a lot of people who enjoy dancing. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that like, it, it's not different music anymore. It's not special in some way. I mean, I, that's probably a part of it. Also the cost. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that municipalities have been squeezing nightclubs out over the years and they have to like up their prices in order to compensate. And it's just a feedback loop. And they're, they're going to, it's an industry that's going to kind of swallow itself. Dancing is never going to go away, obviously. You're going to have dance clubs like uh, the kind of place that has tango night. You know, the kind of place that has ballroom night. Like that, that kind of a, a place is always going to exist. And you're always going to have somewhere that has like mod night on Tuesdays once a month. Like that's going to still exist. But, but I like, do wonder about the idea of going dancing with a mask on and social distancing. And, you know, there very much could be community transmission still hanging around in the summer. You know, the vaccine doesn't make you immune uh, from what reports we've seen uh, from carrying COVID-19. Now, earlier you mentioned TikTok. Yes. Yes. Now, I didn't think I would ever see the day that Sebastian mentions TikTok. Uh, I am a longtime lurker, no time poster on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, I absolutely adore TikTok. I can sit there and hours will will while away as I'm going through all of the very funny creative content. So you are familiar with penis music? I am not familiar with penis music. My TikTok has a lot of sea shanties okay. and uh, angry emus. Uh, okay. they, they feature quite heavily in my TikToks. But you had mentioned that a Canadian TikToker who has become internationally uh, renowned and sort of disparaged uh, in many ways was recently banned. I'm talking about the vegan uh, vegan teacher. Oh, yes. So the vegan teacher was a very prominent TikToker. And uh, over the sort of the last few months, uh, she has been very enthusiastically uh, encouraging people to not be vegans. And people's response is to uh, stitch, which is where you sort of uh, you react and you sort of have the the. the Anyone under the age of 30s can be groaning as I explain this. But, you, you know, you have the original video on the on the right and then you re- react to it on the left. And right. so many people were responding to the vegan teacher's posts, just eating a hamburger, 
<laughs> cutting up a steak, downing a pint of milk. Um, you know, all she seemed to be doing is just driving a wave of people recording themselves eating milk or meat. Yeah, I first learned about her because my roommate is vegan and she brought up like this woman makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, no, she her approach is very combative. Oh, yeah. Um, and sort of demeaning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I found her very sort of condescending in, in her videos. Oh, yeah. um, what's interesting is that there is a there was a young TikToker who was 17 and uh, he was a, on a farm, I think. I'm, I'm struggling to remember the exact video that he did. Okay. But anyway, she responded with uh, girls don't like, you know, if you have cows or eat steak or whatever the video was. They like it when you have fruit and veg. And she holds a cucumber in one hand and two uh, potatoes in the other, which is clearly a visual metaphor of uh, genitalia. And she was then banned for uh, child endangerment. She sexualized the 17-year-old. Yeah, I mean, I don't think child endangerment is the right term, but it is icky in some way to the degree where I don't disagree with her being banned. I think there's probably another term you could use for that. She was just sexualizing an underager. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. She was also yeah. there was like twenty thousand. Uh, there was a twenty thousand plus signed petition to have her banned. I mean, honestly, I think the moderators were just waiting <laughs> for a reasonable excuse. <laughs> it, it, it's also kind of sexist against women because i know a lot of women who say one of their favorite things about their husband is what he does with chicken wings nobody is particularly attractive eating chicken wings no 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 cooking like the way oh i see okay (laughs) because the eating part of chicken wings is never never oh yeah affair. i have said it multiple times never eat ribs or chicken wings or long noodles like spaghetti on the first date but always have it on the third date because by the third date if they can watch you eat chicken wings and they agree to a fourth date you're in so just before we move on i do want to mention that the vegan teacher caused a lot of lgbt backlash oh yeah uh, across uh tiktok I mean, that's the real reason why we're here talking Absolutely. That's that's the gay <laughs> connection. We're bringing it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the vegan teacher seemed to imply that coming out as a vegan is more of a sort of heroic act mm-hmm. or, or more of a big deal and a sort of an emotional labor than coming out as LGBT. Now, I'm not personally aware of any vegans who have been made homeless because they're vegan. Or any vegans who have been kicked out of a job because they're vegan. Or attacked and beaten up on the street because they're vegan. I am sure there are social circles in Canada where people are more likely to react negatively if you're vegan than if you're LGBT. But this is an incredibly narrow space. Like, You know, I, I think as somebody who is looking at the sort of global need for all of us to collectively reduce our environmental footprint. But we can all take steps to reduce our environmental impact in many different ways. You know, I've tried to introduce more vegan or vegetarian meals. You know, I'll do a tomato risotto, for example, or a mushroom stroganoff, uh, you know, and start cutting down on the number of meals in the week where I'm using uh, you know, meat products, you know, and it's, you know, we can all take steps by choosing to swap out meals and do this, that, and the other. 
Um, but I don't think her approach is really going to win over <laughs> the, 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 you know, most people, for sure. No, Especially not when she says it's worse than being gay, something that is illegal in 60 countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not winning any hearts and minds, for sure. Absolutely not. All right, let's jump to our first song. This is a new track by Tegan uh, Johnston. This is 19. We will be back just after this.
Hello and welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. What are your what are you looking forward to this summer, Sebastian? Well, I mean, this is more late spring, not quite summer, but I am looking forward to Eurovision. I've already heard some of the tracks. Uh, some of the countries are just like the usual, like, whoa, what are you doing? This is a bad song. And then, you know, others are really good. Uh, what else am I looking forward to? Mm, I think after spending winter cooped up inside, I may actually try to do some exercise at some point. February is one of my favorite times of year because I do like the winter and I do like the snow. But unlike December, January, it's not midnight all day. So it's like that one time of year where you have sunshine, but also snow. Like, this is not bad. I, I, I'm okay with this. But yeah, a beer, yes, outside on the patio. But the big thing that is going to be happening this summer mm-hmm. is Pride. Yes. A lot of the Pride organizations have announced that they will be opening up and uh, things will be happening. So the big one, the really big one, obviously, is Pride Toronto. Uh, They issued a statement saying that they've reimagined the Pride Festival for 2021, creating, and I quote, an innovative blend of digital program and hopeful for integrated physical experiences. Now, they have two weekends, June 18, 19, 20, 25, 26, 27th. Okay. And Toronto Pride says that, uh, you know, they will not be able to move forward with the usual permits in 2021. Uh, Toronto Pride, Toronto City will still proclaim them June Pride Month. Okay. There'll be a flag raising, mm-hmm. um, as well as digital and community-driven events. So mm-hmm. we may not see the big five-mile-long slow march of the Toronto Pride Parade, uh, sponsored by this bank, then That's this bank, then scheduled. this bank. Scheduled to take 40 minutes, but takes two hours instead. Absolutely. Yeah, and we won't be able year. to witness that. That's 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 a hot foot, uh, hot yeah. foot uh, parade. <laughs> no, we won't be able to see that. But what I think they are really hoping for is that community organizations will be able to arrange much smaller, socially distanced, safer uh, events to be, mm. take place in person. And I kind of wonder... Is the pandemic forcing Toronto Pride to go back to its community roots? It absolutely is. If anything else, because it is no longer possible to make a 4 million attendee tourist trap version of Pride. You just can't do it. Uh, not unless you get like Tiananmen Square and everyone's standing, you know, a meter and a half apart from each other, which is what Tiananmen Square is designed for. Um so, I mean, I don't know, like you could do it at like, uh, uh, oh, what's it? The, like you could do something there possibly, but even then you could probably get like, what, a thousand people, a couple thousand, and then that would be it. You'd, at your, you'd be at your cap. So, yeah, no, it, it is kind of forcing us to go back to doing community events, especially events that are more oriented towards like um, that sort of like family picnic, you know, who haven't you seen in a year? Like, who are you going to run into? That kind of thing. Unless... Uh, trying to attract a couple million people from overseas. And don't get me wrong, I think Church Street, the sort of long-time historical home of Canada's you know, queer community and, and definitely Toronto's queer community, they're definitely going to see things happening. I, I imagine yeah. that the, the businesses on Church Street are going to be busy 
the whole way through the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that this will cause people like in Yorkdale to have their own little community things. You know, Scarborough is going to be doing their own little things. And, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. see more of the sort of uh, communities around the GTA mm-hmm. uh, sort of focus in on themselves because everyone isn't going to be able to fit in uh, to these small events. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you all go down to the, the, you know, the downtown core of Toronto, it's just not going to happen. You know, there's not mm-hmm. enough room. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to force people to to congregate locally. And I'm in favor of that. I, oh, yeah. I'm in favor of, you know, a drive to a more hyper local pride, connecting with LGBT folks who are near you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and the sort of part of the life that, you know, the fabric of the life that you live locally. It's worth mentioning that Toronto Pride is planning a virtual Pride Parade okay. on June 27th at 2 p.m. Uh, they'll also be launching their virtual street fair, which will take place over much of the same time. Okay. Um, it's interesting because I thought somewhere like uh, in... in uh, Emo. No, in in Mardi Gras, in, okay. not in Mardi Gras, but Mardi Gras in um, in Australia. So I, from what I recall, it you know Mardi Gras in Sydney, it happens a lot sooner. Um, I think it's happening within the next uh, couple of weeks or so. They actually they're taking over a big old cricket field essentially, and <laughs> you know you're spaced out on the in in the seats. Imagine like being spaced out in a big old stadium. And the, the the parade marches past you. Okay. Um, you know, they have 30,000 tickets available. Um, they're selling like hotcakes. You know, it's a very limited um, access. When you compare that 30,000 tickets to the number of people who show up to physically watch Mardi Gras. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's so much more of a big costumed event in, mm-hmm. in, in Australia than it is here. It yeah. really is a fully visual spectacle that is, you know, you know, has to be witnessed. Yeah, I don't know. Like there, there's gonna be a lot of creative solutions out there. This is uh, something we talked about last year that the uh, social distancing and in some cases lockdowns happened early enough in the year that Pride just didn't have enough time to react. It didn't have enough time to be creative. And now there's going to be <clears throat> both like a full year to think about it, but also a full year of watching other prides trying to figure it out. So I think collectively we're going to see a lot more interesting things. But like I, I am still very curious. Like the one that I'm most interested in is I'm, I am genuinely interested in what's going to be happening in emo after last year's events. <laughs> yeah, emo Ontario. Yeah, yeah. So in in the UK. Pride London, the sort of big capital city pride, uh, is planned to take place on the 11th of September. Okay. So the approach that was taken there is instead of canceling it again or pushing it online, they're just waiting for the vaccines to be rolled out. Oh, okay. You know, and, and I think that's quite an interesting approach because, of course, you know, the odds of the whole general public being vaccinated by... Um, you know, the midsummer or even late summer is somewhat un- unlikely with mm. where we're sitting at now. The projections. Mm. Um, so, yeah, their approach is like, why don't we just like wait a month and, <laughs> and have it in September? 
uh, when you can be more reasonably assured that the, the vast majority of the public has been vaccinated. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't think that solution work, would work everywhere if your pride is when it is because of a specific historical event then yeah, that's not really a good solution. But if London has that freedom, then all the power to them. Well, I mean, it's such a hit and miss. We're we're starting to see the really big city pride starting to make announcements. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to keep an eye out for Vancouver, Montreal, see what they're doing. Um, But, you know, Birmingham pride in the UK is going to happen. Edinburgh pride in Scotland is not going to happen. Really? Uh, Manchester is going to happen. Yeah, in Edinburgh, they, I don't think they got the permits because <laughs> no one's <laughs> expecting very large crowds. You know, it, at the end of the day, we all have to be safe and we all have to be secure. And a pride parade is really at its core, a gathering and a celebration and a protest. But it, at its core, it's, it's people gathering in, in, in unity around, you know, a key concept. Um and yeah, that's just not safe to do in some parts of the world right now. I just looked it up because I was curious because I don't want to just talk about the big ones. Uh, Winnipeg Pride did confirm that they're going to have a fully digital event for 2021. We're definitely going to have to keep an eye out and see yeah. how these various prides uh, take it on. It's definitely an interesting story that, you know, we're, we're February, we're very far away from, from oh, yeah. the summer. You know, saying that, I'm I'm over here booking my camping trips already, you know, because people are looking forward now. Yes. When it gets sunny and nice and uh, when the world is just a little bit less dark and cold. Yeah, people are, are making plans. That's very good, actually. When When people make plans, that means they believe in the future. It's symbolic. Absolutely. Well, let's jump to a new track. This is another Calgarian. Uh, we actually, we, no, we, we talked to um, Godship Hall was by Emmett. Emmett. And that yeah, was Emmett Michael, Edmonton. Yeah. Was that yeah. Emmett Michael or Calgary or Edmonton? Uh, I believe Edmonton. Yep. So Xenon, who we we playing now with Forever, I swear, is from Calgary. I don't know why Alberta's pumping out so many great LGBT musicians all of a sudden, um, mm-hmm. but uh, those are the ones that we've landed on, and we will be back just after this. I'm never gonna make you mad, never gonna make you cry, but if I break that promise, you know I'm never gonna leave you sad. Cause we got something fly, the way that you get me high, ain't nobody gonna break us up, go ahead and dare you come try. Cause they don't get the love that we feel, no, no, no. Never felt something this real. No, no, no. Baby, I'ma be the blood that you're pumping. Tell me where you wanna go when I'm jumping. Got no smile on my face, you ain't there. Baby, this is forever, I swear. Baby, I'ma be the strings to your heart. Promise I'ma be the end to your start. Got no smile on my face, you ain't there. This is forever, I swear, forever, I swear Always tryna have your back, always tryna make you smile No, I won't break that promise, baby, you know you're always mine Cause I ain't asking why, your love boy gets me high Ain't nobody gonna take you from me, baby, you're my ride or die Cause they don't get the love that we feel No, no, no Something this real No, no, no Baby, 
I'ma be the blood that you're pumping Tell me where you wanna go when I'm jumping Got no smile on my face, feeling that Baby, this is forever, I swear Baby, I'ma be the strings to your heart Promise I'ma be the end to your star Welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer media. Now, I have some not-so-great news lined up for this segment. Okie dokie. Uh, last week, we brought into the conversation the idea of permits. Oh, yes. <laughs> which is a favorite topic of mine, personally. Uh-huh. And uh, we specifically gave the example of Vancouver, where they're reviewing their sound bylaws uh, after there was a hate incident where a man got his leg broken because a hate preacher really wanted to blast his hate speech uh, into Davy Village in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Uh, now, uh, that man who had his leg broken, Justin Morissette, uh, now it's worth co- pointing out that Dolove was arrested for okay. the assault. He has been charged with the assault. And on March the 10th, he is going to court uh, to face the allegation. It has not yet been proven in court. Uh, however, that is where things stand. Justin Morissette says that the authorities were well aware that hateful proclamations of the man who allegedly attacked him mm-hmm. uh, were taking place, but the police were being willfully blind to the antisocial behavior, putting evidently him and other people in the area at risk, which is why he has sued them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes, he has sued the city of Vancouver and the Vancouver Police Department uh, over this. Uh, yeah, the, his lawyer says that he wants to set a precedent that this type of behavior is antisocial, it's hate speech, it shouldn't be tolerated. Uh, and the fact that the city just turned a blind eye or the uh, the Vancouver Police Service took a blind eye. And it's not like this happened suddenly, you know? Mm-hmm. He didn't show up uh, out of nowhere. I actually distinctly remember me and you talking about this particular hate preacher's 
pan-Canadian tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's, which, he's been here. Which actually was just Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC, uh, which panned just all of a little bit of Canada. Um, but he built it. Yeah, the flat bit, except yeah. for the mountains, obviously. Uh, but he had built it as a pan-Canadian tour, causing so much anguish in every <laughs> single stop he goes to. And this, I think this was his second day in Vancouver. The police knew who he was. Mm-hmm. The police knew where he was. Mm-hmm. And he, they knew the kind of antisocial behavior that he was doing. And that's really the point that Morissette is making here. Like, why did you think that that was acceptable to allow him to be there causing so much mischief? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... Uh... <sighs> Were there, uh, did he incite action? Like, were there calls to action? Well, his claim, Morissette's claim, is that the police failed to police the location properly and failed to enforce public safety protocols. So even, you know, regardless of the wording, I don't have that on record right now available to dip into. Um, But, you know, he alleges that they, they just weren't even there. You know okay. what I mean? They weren't paying attention. They knew the kind of mischief and trouble he causes. They were very much aware of the fact mm-hmm. he was going to be there. Uh, they just failed to police. Well, the good news is that this is going to be a case in a system that runs on case law. If the police can say, we couldn't enforce anything because there were no laws to enforce, there will be now. That sometimes you need, unfortunately, uh, bad events like this to expose the fact that your particular city does not have the did you have a permit uh, response. And I'm willing to bet that there are other major cities in Canada that just haven't realized that they have this loophole as well where people can get away with well, stuff. I mean, I want to point out that he's not alleging, you know, they didn't have a permit. He's alleging that the police had a duty to protect the community. Right. And that this man was haranguing and harassing the gay community in that era. Okay. Area. There is rules against causing a public disturbance. There are rules against harassing people. Mm-hmm. You know, public safety law exists already. Okay. And that's the case that he's making. You know, really, I, I agree with you that this would set a precedent yeah. in terms of, you know, how these in- incidents will be dealt with. But I think the precedent in question is the role and obligation on the police to actively pay attention Mm -hmm. when these things happen. Mm -hmm. He's also sued the ministry, uh, the the evangelical church this particular hate preacher belongs to. Okay. Uh, Now, they claim that, you know, he's a lone wolf. You know, he does what he does. We can't be held responsible for the, you know, the things that he says. Um, But... uh, you know, Morissette is essentially saying, like, look, you know, he's, he's one of your guys. You are sort of yeah. precariously responsible for his actions, which in this case is my broken leg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. It's it'll be really interesting to see what happens in terms of that the impact would be as... on the city, the police and this ministry. Here's the thing. Maybe he is a lone wolf. Maybe he's this guy where that ministry was like, oh, we don't talk to him anymore. But if they can have even the slightest bit of a paper trail, then it's all done. So, I mean, I mean, it is I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and say that it is entirely possible that they have rejected him. And that as far as they're concerned, he is just some guy they don't talk to anymore. That's not impossible. 
but it would be very easy to disprove with like literally any paperwork whatsoever. So, I mean, we'll see how that pans out. But the other, a lot of the other stuff, yeah, it's just a matter of either a law existed and wasn't enforced and that's a bad thing or nothing was enforced because the law didn't exist yet, at which point we're working on that now and that's a good thing. So, I mean, I, I view this as a turning point towards things getting better. And, uh, yeah, that, so, uh, that's me trying to be optimistic about this. I have of. a second of three police-related stories, okay. all of which are Canadian. Now, this this one should be, and, and, and to many extents, it is a good story. Okay. In BC, in Kelowna, the RCMP in BC began to roll out a safe place program right essentially it is a poster and or a sticker okay. that businesses can put on their doors uh to indicate that this location is safe for lgbt people uh victims of crime harassment and bullying to report the crime um i don't know if that means like if they're fleeing they have to like check the doors and then go into the one where they can make the call to 911 i'm not really sure how it's supposed to be rolled out, but symbolically it's, it's a really nice gesture. Um, it's a, it's a good move by the Kelowna RCMP uh, to kind of make this campaign. But I mean, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, what does that mean? Like a store puts a sticker on their door saying this place is a physical safe space. Not that we will respect your identity, but this is a safe space from harassment and so on. Uh, like, does that mean that they're going to have a, uh, an officer stationed in there at all times? Like, how do you enforce that? It's such a, so, a weird... I know. According to the, the press release, the Mounties will provide decals and posters for institutions to display on the front of the premises, showing that they can provide shelter for LGBTQ people who need to call the police. So really, it's just... The, the guy, you know, the, the, the employee, the, the, the businesses have got your back if you're, I don't know what it really works out to, but the challenge is. It means if you run in the door and say, can I borrow your phone? I'm a say, gay person. You know, I, yeah, you know, <laughs> I think that's how, that's how that'll work. Honestly, this was a bit of a, you know, a self-inflicted foot in the mouth by the cloner RCMP. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was actually a big surprise to all of the gay people of Kelowna okay. because they rolled out this campaign without mentioning it to anyone. Okay. Or the Kelowna pride organization. Um, and in this case, in, in places like Kelowna, it's often the pride organizations that are sort of the, the community linchpins. Mm -hmm. uh, the manager of Kelowna pride said he was shocked at the shotgun approach of the mm -hmm. Kelowna Mounties. Uh, apparently that nobody had engaged with Kelowna Pride or yeah. really anyone else. Um, yeah, so there's questions about what on earth is this sticker campaign supposed to achieve? Yeah, yeah. You know, it is nice that these businesses are, are signing up to it. And it is nice that Kelowna uh, RCMP thought to do this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't roll out a community initiative and just not mention it to anyone in the community. Like, that just seems silly. Well, I have less of a problem with that. Like, to me, that's that's them trying to do their job better. 
Um, for me, the issue is what is the end game here? What is what are the practicalities? How is this going to work out? Is this meant to reduce crime? Is this meant to increase the number of people you catch? Is this meant like what is what is the intended outcome of this? Because it really seems like posturing. And I agree with your initial assessment that you know I'm all I'm all gung ho for the spirit of this that they they believed they were trying to do a good thing and I don't want to discourage them, but it, it kind of feels like you know when a kid shows you a really badly drawn picture and you have to go oh that's nice but like it's not nice but you don't want to make them feel bad either like that's how I feel about this it's just like oh that's. That's a lovely uh, giraffe. Oh, it's yeah. a house. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, a nice house. According to CBC coverage, uh, <laughs> uh, Superintendent Cara Trance said, uh, and I quote, we deeply regret a misstep and a failure in that process. Uh -huh. We moved ahead too quickly with the release of this program within Kelowna. Right. Uh, end quote. So, yeah, it was a poor rollout of the initiative uh, where they could be designated safe havens. But a lot of the LGBT folks in Kelowna are asking the question of what's the point? And also, can anybody sign up to it? You know what I mean? Maybe mm -hmm. I'm a homophobic business person, but I don't want the, everybody else to know that. Right. So I sign up for it, get my sticker, slap it on the front door. Job or you're done. very homophobic and you want to set a booby trap. Yes, a booby trap. Yes. Uh, no, it's it's absolutely, you know, the, gone are the days, I think, Yeah. in the queer community where just a rainbow sticker is, oh, thank God, there's a rainbow yeah. sticker. Oh, we're yeah, so yeah. relieved. Don't get me wrong. I still, when I spot them out shopping, I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm encouraged by this. Yeah. But I'm, I think collectively, Canadian LGBT folks now expect there to be a reason why you have that sticker. Yeah. And that transitions me very nicely to the Canadian LGBT Chamber of Commerce, mm -hmm. which teamed up with Tourism HR Canada, mm -hmm. where they have a safe space accreditation program. Okay. So this is a federally funded program uh, where they provide training, where they audit the businesses to make sure that they are safe. Uh, spaces you know it's not just about sticking a sticker on the door mm -hmm. uh, it's more about like look you know we are an lgbt friendly business yeah we've been trained and they've checked you know it really takes it to that next level mm -hmm. but all that being said i do appreciate colonna rcmp making an effort <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah, I don't want to discourage them, but like, yeah. I, I mean, again, it comes down to like, what's the end game here? So, yeah, I mean, in terms of like stickers on the door, um, it can it can be meaningful in terms of the outcomes. Like sometimes it is posturing, but like, for example, I live almost exactly halfway between two grocery stores. One, I looked it up on the map. One of them is five meters closer but it has less crowds and fewer lineups. I go to the other one that donates free food to Pride every year. Like these things can matter to the community. So on the one hand, you got stuff like that. That's not posturing either. Like they don't really advertise that they do that. They kind of do, but not really. So, I mean, when you get somebody in the giant costume of grapes, 
<laughs> yeah with the store uh, sort of on a on a float um you know when you see somebody dressed up as as fruit and veg uh, you get the message but yeah. if you weren't at pride looking at the fruit and veg float you wouldn't you wouldn't know but the gay community knows yeah 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 we yeah yeah we do and it's and actually it was the uh the openly gay uh employees at that branch who are on that float as well and I know because I've interacted with them in the store and some of them are, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely not straight. But anyway, um, but the other thing is like some of these things on the door, like, you know, what does it mean for me? What does it mean if I go in there and I get harassed? Is it just that you'll call the cops right away? Does it mean that you've trained your employees to step in and say something? Um, it could and, be, and it could be things it, like there was a cafe. Uh, we used to go there as well that they realized all their bathrooms were single use. So they took the male, male, female signs off the door and they just put on bathroom signs so that it's not, they were all gender neutral by default. Like that kind of thing is important. Like if you have single use bathrooms, why not make them gender neutral? I think that's very important. If you're going to put a rainbow sticker on your door, you do little things like that, especially if they're all single use. Like what is the point of having male? I mean, for me, it begs use? the question in Kelowna if, you know, if what if we suddenly discover that one of these businesses isn't LGBT friendly, yeah. Are, are the Kelowna RCMP going to show up with a scraper and peel off the sticker off the front door? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's what I mean? very peculiar, yeah. You know, I don't, I think they're setting themselves up for a lot more questions than anything else. Mm -hmm. But in a community that's relatively rural, um, you know, from an institution of policing, I don't want to negate the fact that this is a big deal. This is a big step by them. Now, are you familiar, Sebastian, with mm -hmm. the morality unit? That ooh, that ooh, that sounds a uh, McCarthyist. To it me. does. It does <laughs> not sound good. It does no. not sound good. It makes me think of like the vice units and uh, you know, sort of old school, um, you know, units. The the exact kind of units that historically would beat up LGBT people. Sometimes. So anyway, I bring it up because the Windsor Police Morality Unit okay. is actually investing a series of incidents that they've labeled as hate crimes right. uh, in uh, Windsor, Essex, yeah. so, which is in Ontario, for those not familiar. The yeah, WE yeah. Trans Support um, Organization, mm -hmm. so Windsor, Essex Trans Support, uh, is uh, located in the South Walkerville neighborhood. They have actually filed three different reports to Windsor Police mm -hmm. regarding homophobic and racist vandalism. Most and they had their window put through. Yeah, with the car part. Uh, and also uh, anti-Semitic stuff just was thrown in for good measure. Like the more I read about it, the more I was like, I think, I think whoever is doing this is just covering all their bases. Yeah, yeah. It was really weird. The details about it looked very peculiar. Um, it's the kind of thing that you sometimes see in like bad insurance claims, but it's, I don't know, it, it, it seems, it's, there's something about it that feels wrong to me, this story, that it, it's, I like, I'm not saying that they're doing it for themselves by any means, just to be very clear, but it, it feels like somebody's doing it to be provocative without thinking about what the, the consequences would be. 
Yeah, I mean, the facility as a whole is under renovation, so there's yeah. thankfully there's nobody in there, nobody got hurt. Did they break um, a window they were going to replace anyway? No, no, oh, they okay. broke a window that wasn't scheduled for replacing. But, you know, all of the vandalism, the graffiti on the on the windows and doors, breaking the window, it's cost this little non-profit uh, between five and $7,000 just to mm. make their, their, their organization safe again. Yeah. Um, as in not drafty from a broken window. You know what I mean? It's just, it's quite, it's, it's insane. In and Windsor in the winter. It's also really yeah. spooked the community in Windsor, Essex. Yeah. Because this isn't just one incident. It's an incident. Then a couple of days later, then another incident, then yeah. another one. And then the window gets smashed in. It's yeah. a gradual escalation and people are worried, you know, what's next? Can I hold my partner's hand? on a street a block away mm -hmm. if i know there's some thug throwing you know uh, car pieces through a trans support organization mm -hmm. you know and and they're really worried about every you know people's safety within uh, windsor essex mm -hmm. to me like the thing is it didn't look organized the more i read about it it, it looked like one maybe two idiots although they actually said that the handwriting on the racist, homophobic, transphobic, and anti-Semitic uh, tagging all matched, so it probably is one idiot. Um, that doesn't make it better, though. That just means you've narrowed it down. Like that, that, that. What does that do for you? And the fact that it, if it is somebody who's just doing it to be provocative, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to throw a car part at you just mm. to be provocative. Like, even if it isn't so much organized or targeted, even if it is just random violence because it's somebody lashing out for some reason or another, you could still get hurt. And the fact if it isn't targeted, that's almost worse because it means like, how do you how do you get around that? How do you prevent that? How do you protect yourself? Yeah, like th that's to me, that's the main worrying thing. Like if you said like, OK, we know it's these kinds of people they go in this part of town, they attack this kind of stuff. You could pretend you're not that kind of stuff. For an evening whereas if it's completely random like that's what's really scary yeah you know the people in the community are concerned you know if this person feels confident enough to smash a, a window in the middle of the day you know this, and the same place three times yeah surely they would know that after the first time that the place is being monitored well after the second time they put cameras up you know yeah. it's it's uh it's it's definitely really unsettled the community there and unfortunately this is a part of a larger trend of lgbt folks uh being attacked we actually mm. discussed during the break whether or not it was a trend or whether or not a trend in reporting and media coverage it's really hard yeah. to to put your finger on it until two years later where the stats come out yeah yeah um, but yeah it's just it's just uh, it's a mess we'll be keeping an eye on it although the idea of the morality police uh unsettles me a little bit yeah that's, they uh, need to rename they that. need to rebrand that one <laughs> uh, i am encouraged that the uh windsor police force are taking it seriously yes um, and working with the we um trans support center to to figure it out now mm. are you you're familiar with ray spoon i believe oh yeah now, oh, yeah. Ray Spoon has been recovering from, um, I believe it was cervical cancer. Oh, dear. 
and uh, has had to move back to BC. But Ray Spoon is one of Canada's most prominent, uh, if not the most prominent, openly trans Canadian musician. Yes, for sure. Without a doubt, yeah. And somebody that we have definitely played uh, a few times. Just a great, great musician. Kind of a mixed aesthetic, because if you look at all the, the, the media, uh, you get the impression that Ray Spoon is like, folk rock and then you listen and you're like oh this is this is house music surely but yeah no a uh, uh, fantastic musician we played a lot of tracks for a good reason because we actually do like the music i mean a little peek behind the curtain sometimes we play things just to promote it because it is canadian and it's queer and then other times you play it because like no i like this so and ray spoon is one of those ones where every so often like we play it for each other we're like yeah we want to put this in this week so but anyway you yeah, know that that's that's a real bummer especially since i've actually heard like back in uh, actually around this time last year when when things were starting to gel up i guess you could say uh people were saying that this would be a very bad year to be diagnosed with chronic illness because every time you see the doctor you have to see the doctor frequently with stuff like this you need to go through the covid check again and a lot of places want to do everything remotely but to get diagnosed you need to be there in person quite often like it's it's not a good process like my my heart absolutely goes out well this is actually a nice story because uh it was actually set up by uh not ray spoon themselves okay um but by by somebody else and uh, there was some coverage in exclaim magazine um, essentially, you know, Ray Spoon was trying to raise, or oh, they were trying to raise 32,000 for Ray Spoon uh, without, you know, uh, health insurance or family to be able to support, uh, you know, the recovering. And, you know, there's there's all other expensive, you know, rent, counseling, prescriptions, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. All of these things um, add up, especially when you're recovering from stage three cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal was 32,000. Um, there was another Ray Spoon themselves have launched a fundraiser to release a songbook where they're trying to pay all the artists involved that helps create it. But the 32,000 goal to help cover the uh, medical expenses has reached 109,000. Oh, dang. Yeah, it is. It, the goal has been raised to 150. It is absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, however, Ray Spoon is not doing so well. Apparently, both of Ray's kidneys have begun shutting down. Ooh, from the chemo? Yeah. It, well, Ooh. there's plan. They have to stop the planned surgery whilst they figure out what is happening. Uh, Ray is in the intensive care unit, and then was moved into a regular hospital bed uh, over the weekend, last weekend. So this was about a week ago um, that uh, that this happened. Uh, so yeah, the, the the fundraiser is they're they're really excited that it succeeded the goal, but it looks like Ray Spoon is really struggling at the moment. Um, so yes, we will suggest. You know, honestly, that I would suggest Ray Spoon fundraiser or GoFundMe, um, and just find the link from Exclaim uh, if you would like to uh, help support this incredible artist. Mm-hmm. Well, we will be playing out with Do Whatever the Heck You Want by Ray Spoon. (laughs) Okay. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Should I be a man or a woman? What does that really mean? Should I be outside of it or something?
after I turn 40? Should I become an accountant? Cause I'm scared of money. Do whatever the heck you want. Do whatever the heck you want. Don't tell anyone what the heck to do. Do whatever the heck you want. Should I grow Other people is not part of the deal, just say. Say. Say.